Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones with A Quiet Talk to share with you today. I wonder what it's like to be a celebrity. I've heard some of them complain about the fact that they can't just go out shopping or to a restaurant like other people because their fans mob them. I have a hard time feeling sorry for them, however. Jesus experienced this same kind of thing. In Mark 7, it says that Jesus left Galilee and went in a more or less northwesterly direction to the region of Tyre and Sidon. This was toward the seacoast in an area that was really more Syria than Israel. He was wanting to get away from the crowds. It says that he went to a certain house, don't know whose house it was, the Bible doesn't say, and didn't want anybody to know he was there. But, says Mark, he could not be hidden. Now, why was that? Jesus could not be hidden because he met the need of every inquirer who approached him. There were certainly those who were not touched in a positive way, his enemies and critics, but just about everybody else, mostly the common people who came to Jesus were helped by his powerful ministry. Thousands were healed of hopeless infirmities, delivered from demonic possession, and some were even raised from the dead. In short, Jesus didn't need a PR man. His deeds said it all. So among those who came to him in this northerly area was a woman who happened not to be a Jew. It was certainly not surprising to find her here. This was her native territory. Mark says she was a Syrophoenician. The Syro part, of course, refers to Syria, the country north of Israel, and Phoenicia was that region of the northeast Mediterranean, which was the crossroads of the ancient world. It was the center of commerce for all Asia, as well as the southern Mediterranean and points west. Tyre and Sidon were the principal cities of this region then and in much of the Old Testament times. They were very pagan in their religious practice. And Jesus himself cites them in Matthew 11 as he's condemning the cities in which most of his mighty works were done. He says, For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. The implication is that the people of those towns were great sinners, and yet even they would have repented if Jesus had done the things there he did in Israel. So this is the setting of our story of this woman who approaches Jesus as he's trying to avoid the crowds. She has a daughter who's possessed with an evil spirit. She falls down before the feet of Jesus and begs him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She is obviously desperate. No doubt she's been facing this awful situation for a long time. Jesus is her last hope. Now, you would expect Jesus to say, of course I'll heal your daughter, dear lady. You, you've suffered so, but he doesn't. Instead, he says, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Wow, that's harsh. Did you know Jesus ever talked to somebody like that? How can he be loving and compassionate and speak to such a needy person like this? 
First of all, let's just stipulate that Jesus loves everybody. He loved this woman and cared about her, but still he addresses her with what sounds like unconcern. One of the problems we have when we read the Bible or really any other book like this is that we can't hear the tone of voice or see the facial expressions of Jesus or anybody else for that matter. I believe Jesus said these words in a gentle tone. What did he mean about taking the children's food and giving it to the dogs? The children would be the people of Israel, and the dogs would be everybody else. In Matthew's version of this incident, Jesus himself said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The gospel is, according to Paul, to the Jew first. God had made many promises to the fathers in the Old Testament, so when Jesus came to fulfill those promises, his ministry was first to God's chosen people. But the Old Testament is also clear that in that nation, Israel, all nations would be blessed. His plan of salvation was for all of mankind, not just one ethnic group. But let's get back to this Syrophoenician woman. Why did Jesus talk to her like this? I doubt she was interested in the fine points of biblical theology. Also keep in mind that Jesus loved her. The way the story ends shows this. In giving her what initially seems like a rebuff, he's giving her the opportunity to show how much she wants the answer. You might say, good grief, You already said she's desperate, but the fact is that God wants us to want him desperately, although although we may seldom feel it in our day-to-day lives. We are indeed desperate creatures in need of God's grace. It's vital that we learn this. It's similar to the blind man who came crying to Jesus for healing. It was obvious what his problem was and what he wanted. And yet Jesus said to this man, what do you want me to do for you? Thankfully, this lady in Mark 7 with the demon-possessed daughter does not give up. She's not discouraged. She very graciously replies to Jesus, you're right, but even the dogs get to eat the crumbs that fall from the children's table. She could have reacted angrily and said, you Jews think you're the best. You're sinners too. You can't talk to me like that. But she didn't. She demonstrated humility and submission to the Lord Jesus, the King of Kings. And Jesus instantly responded. He said, Because you said that, your daughter is healed at this very moment. Praise God. She went straight home to find her little girl perfectly delivered. How do you approach God casually whenever you might happen to feel like it? Jesus taught us to pray with desperation and unflagging persistence. Jesus gave us a parable about prayer in which a man had company come late at night and he didn't have any food to feed them. So he goes and bangs on his neighbor's door, his neighbor who is already gone to bed. Let me borrow some bread for my guests. The neighbor basically tells him to get lost, but he keeps banging on the door. Finally, 
The neighbor gets up and gives him what he wants just to get rid of him. Most translations say it was because of his importunity. That's a word we don't use every day. But the English Standard Version translates it impudence. Think about that. If they're right, Jesus is encouraging us to be impudent in our praying. We are not to take no for an answer, but keep on asking. Jesus helped this woman to do this by his initial response to her. It was done in love. If God answered every prayer instantly, we would get the idea that he's like a vending machine in the sky. He is not. He is Almighty God, the Lord of glory and the judge of all the earth. He owes us nothing. But in his love, he invites us to bring our requests, our petitions, our needs to him. He wants us to come to the place in our lives where we rely upon him for everything. He wants us to know him as he truly is, our loving Heavenly Father who has promised to meet all of our needs. Dear friend, I urge you not to be discouraged in your prayers. Don't quit, but keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking, no matter what. Precious Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone that listens to this message, that you'd help them to see the importance of persistence in prayer, of not being turned away or discouraged by not getting an instant answer to their prayers. Help us, Lord God, to keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking, because that's what Jesus told us to do. God, I pray for those listening today that you'll bless their lives and they'll through their persistence and their times of of not giving up in prayer, they will come to know you as the loving Heavenly Father that you are, who wants to meet all of our needs. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My dear friend, I ask you just about every time in these talks to pray for us. Keep on praying. We're, We're keeping on praying for the work that we believe God has called us to do Uh, the little group of folks, of faithful people, godly people. We call ourselves the Bread of Life Anglican Church, and we are attempting to start a work in the Schenectady, New York area. And we meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at the American Legion Hall, which is located at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. If you live in that area, and if you don't have a church home, we would invite you to come and worship with us. As always... You can reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com. May God richly bless you.